Welcome to the Athletic Maple Leafs podcast. My name is Joshua Cloak. And I'm David Alter. And we're all done. Yeah, well, this, well some the Leafs season. Yeah. The Leafs season is, is, is all wrapped up. It wrapped up the other night. Uh, we're here at the ACC for year end media availability, which is an interesting process because a lot of the players were made available uh, after the last game. Um, and the mood, I would say, was cautiously optimistic i mean there's 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 players that that you know are going to be back next season and there's right. and and a lot of those players spoke about this being a a stepping stone if you will and just part of the process part of the the larger plan and and then there was a lot of players as well today that that we don't know if they're going to be back that's the thing about a rebuild which the leafs are technically still in is as you undergo a rebuild Parts get moved all the time. That was one of the, the most interesting things that Lou said today in his year-end availability. This is a five-year plan that changes every day. Um, why don't we, before we go really big, why don't we just talk about today? Um, what were your thoughts from, from the year-end availability today? Well, I mean, it was expected. Like, um, I think Mike and Lou were pretty ecstatic about the year that they had had. Sure. But, but now that it's sunken in after a day or two there is always that feeling that um you don't want to get too overconfident with it and you kind of start hedging a little bit and making sure that the guys don't kind of celebrate too much because yep. as special as this was them getting in um i think even babcock was right by saying yeah they uh, like teams like tampa probably should have been in and sure. even with all the injuries they had they they were right on the doorstep and could have easily done it and toronto just simply doesn't have that kind of depth right now and that's absolutely true uh so that probably helped expectations kind of move along um i i think i think that's the most important thing right now is they still talked about this five-year plan i i want to say they're in i think they finished year two and the, yep. and perhaps they maybe didn't expect to get the success that they had I think it was pretty evident when Mike Babcock kind of saluted the fans along with the players that he, he he normally doesn't do that, but I think that's that kind of that kind of showed a little how special this season was to him. So you get, I mean, I, you you I, walk I around the room. That. I think you definitely get the feeling like this was a special year, right? And that's a big term, but you know, a we can point to a number of players having arguably career years, right? Um, Nazem Kadri. For one, I mean, if we put aside the rookies, Nazem Kadri has a, a, a career year. I think Leo Komarov has one of his better years. Jake Gardner really flourished this year, and I think this was the year he really shook off the Carlisle cobwebs, if we can call him that. And and so a number of players had big years, and that was also the vibe I got today, is that the players recognized that um, regardless of what happens in the future, this is the kind of year that you're you're proud of and you're happy to be a part of because and and you can attest to this um it's not every year that a group of players can gel so well and, and get along so well to me that was incredibly evident today and all year that this is a, a group of players that that really got along well off the ice and that might have contributed in some way to their success on sure the ice. and any anyone who they deemed a problem they got rid of pretty sure. quickly so yeah. so i mean 
Um, I mean, we don't we don't know the latest on Joffrey Lupul. He still has a year left on his contract. We know he was at Coachella. Yeah, that's well, yeah. If you follow his Snapchat yep, and Instagram, that's as much as we know. Yeah, but um, I mean, he still has a year more left on his deal. I mean, you don't play the whole year. He's not going to come back. Yeah. Um, it's it's really really interesting. The Leafs showed that they can do whatever they can to make sure that the people who are around are going to buy in, and uh, it's hard to argue. For all the stories that we had at The Athletic about some of dot the... .com slash Toronto. .com slash Toronto. <laughs> or download the app on Apple and uh, oh, the app, nice. at the Apple, nice. the Apple Store, Google Play Store. Um, I think all of those things you saw, like, you know, there was... For, for the Milan McCulloch's, the Frank Corrado's, the Brooks Likes, the... I'm uh, missing someone in there. There's someone else in there. Uh, Robida? No, even Robida was kind of cool and on board with this but oh the peter hollands right and okay for all, for all the stuff for any sort of whoever didn't buy in they, they made sure that they weren't going to be part of it and yep. not let that negativity seep into the room and, sure and, and that's what they did and that was another thing that lou said today he was asked about whether um this year kind of reinvigorated him and he kind of got right to the point and said well how could it not right you know, like how, how could not only the success the team had but that uh, youthful exuberance. How could that not seep, you know, into management as well? Um, and I also wonder how much working with someone younger like Kyle Dubas has kind of given given Lou, uh, you know, some some fresh legs or maybe what you will, you know. Um, but what I thought we would do is there's a lot to unpack here. So why don't we just go through a few different elements of this entire season? Um, and why don't I start with the question that, that I asked the players today. Um, is there a memory for you through this season that, that, that really sticks out? The four goals. I won't forget that for the rest of my life. Wow. The four goals from Austin Matthews. I and mean, that was first game. Well, and, and I was there, so I was able to, like, you know, memories get etched into your mind more if you're actually there witnessing it instead of just kind of sitting on the couch or right. watching it on Game Center. No, no disrespect intended, but, I mean people prefer live over anything else for anything when you watch or whatever and just to to see the actual reactions from people behind the scenes yeah. and, and, and the faces and it was just it was like wow like you could not believe what you were witnessing and it was such a watershed moment too because it was so unexpected and it was the first of many unexpected moments for this team really that was kind of an, and I know this is going to be written about and talked about a lot um but that was kind of the theme of the season, wasn't it? Surprise. Right. You know, just or general, um, you, you never knew what to expect with this team in a good way. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, in the past, a lot of Leafs teams, uh, and one of our colleagues was, was asking um, some of the players about this, a lot of Leafs teams, you, you would be surprised at, at how low they could sink and then how sure. low things would get. But this was the kind of thing where very often throughout the season, um, you would stop and you would say, "Oh, is this an old Leafs team? Is this is this the the, the ghosts of Leafs? Is this where the dip starts? Haunt? You know." And, and and I know you wrote about that a lot. I remember you've used that in a few of your stories. How this is not that old Leafs team. And for right. me, it was the Centennial Classic where they blow a four-one lead. And come on, yeah. You know, you're like, really. Not a three-one, not a four-one, but well, I was at that game I've, in February where they went down four-one, right. or they were down, they were up four-one, and they they gave up the lead. But to me, that was, and I'm not not necessarily the turning point, but a number of players said this, like 
kind of a defining point this season. When you come back, and I believe for those five goals, <clears throat> excuse me, scored by rookies. Right. Um, and you come back and you win in overtime. And that was one of the few moments where we saw uh, Brendan Shanahan showing outright kind of celebration. Yeah. That's the moment for me that, that will stick out, not just because of the event, but because this team, so young, kind of rose to the occasion, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a story I'm going to write maybe in a few days, but um, when you, you talk to a lot of Leaf fans and get kind of the, the first-person reaction of, of a lot of what was going on, um, I remembered after the playoffs, and I kind of made sure to do this. Yesterday I got mm-hmm. on the phone with my dad because I did that four years ago at Logan Airport following Game 7 of that Leafs' first round playoff series. And I'll never forget my dad's reaction because we came to Canada, what, in 1982 or whatever. Uh, my parents used to watch the Leafs and the and the Canadians on, like, Soviet television right. like back then. And so they came here kind of being a fan of both, which is now sacrilege. You can't sure. be a fan of both teams. Anyway, so he had stopped watching the Leafs because it just was not – it was not enjoyable. It was really not enjoyable to watch. And um, then my dad, I called my dad just to say, hey, dad, I'm at Logan Airport. I'm going to be home soon. And before I could even finish the sentence, he says, um, Dave, I don't know why, but yesterday I watched the Leafs for the first time in 10 years. And I immediately began, I began to laugh because mm. I felt that that was such a cruel thing. He's like, they're up 4-1. They're going to win. Yeah, like it's done. It's yeah. over. My, uh, your mother, they'll still lose. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, "What are you talking about? They'll still lose. It's over. It's pretty much over." But you've you so 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 anyway. So the so I I made that phone call again yesterday, yeah. and I just didn't expect my parents to watch because I kept telling them all year, you know, this is a different team, and they right. wouldn't believe me. But a lot of Leaf fans probably weren't coming around to this. And then it got to the point where my dad actually had friends over to watch Game 6 or order pizza, all this stuff. Stuff I would have never expected to see my dad do uh, in terms of watching the Leafs again. They, they really did bring a lot of people back. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. It's interesting to talk about the generational divide if we're telling uh, dad stories. I watched Game 2 um, with, with my dad when you guys were in uh, Washington. Yeah. Uh, had them over. Had my dad, my mom over to, the, to my house, and obviously didn't expect them to stay until midnight or whatever <laughs> it was. Um, we ran out of uh, we we ran out of mozzarella sticks, but um, it's one of but, my favorite but, apps, right? But the point is, is that this is my dad has stuck with the team for you know throughout the past you know whatever since he's been born, um, and has grown pretty disgruntled. Uh, but still sticks with him, and to see, you know, someone quite a bit older, uh, just buy into the youth. Because I found I found that before the season, he and a lot of other older fans were very, they were very suspect of all the youth sure. he brought in. Because you're like, so what? I I don't understand. We're giving the keys to a bunch of 19 year olds, you know, and and when you're raised, um, when you're raised on the, not necessarily raised, but when you're your most recent memories of successful Leafs teams are the Gary Roberts, the Joe Newendikes, the Matt Sundins, the, the Muskoka Five, these older players. Yeah. It's very strange. So to see a lot of older player or a lot of older fans wearing their Matthews and Marner Nylander jerseys and my dad jumping up off the couch, uh, you know, celebrating when, when Kapanen scores, I mean, that's 
that's nice to see and it definitely gives you a lot of uh, hope for the future because we know yeah. there's hope on the ice but the fact that and we saw that to me again to, I, I know I'm going on here but I ride the uh, the UP Express in yes in, uh, which I'm jealous of because it's the best transit it's in the in, entire city oh my goodness it's fantastic yeah. yeah and I notice as soon as the and I you know every Leafs game you might spot a jersey here or there but it was a sea of blue and that's something that I really hope continues over. And I'm not going to complain about the suits thing. That's that's not a we're, this, it's not the place for that discussion. But you know, I look at uh, European soccer leagues where you you wear your colors to a game. It's just a given. And I hope that's something that really continues. I overheard someone saying that 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 even even in um, the Leafs playoff years of the past, and I'm trying to remember because I've been to quite a few yep. in the early 2000s. That wearing your jersey and filling a building with a jersey was not a Canadian thing. Like, it only... It, the, the Sea of Red in Calgary was yeah. the first time we really saw that as a Canadian thing, where it was more of a, a U.S. culture thing right, for, right. for sports teams yep. to be fully decked with all the jerseys and whatnot, which I don't know if that's actually true, I, but but um, I can kind of see it, especially in this marketplace. Well, only because in Toronto, you're always... It's always that kind of too cool for school. You don't want to fit in with the rest. Yeah, that, and, I, that I can definitely see. Yeah. There's, there's an element of... Of that, but I think you now, and we kind of talked about this a few months back. But now that you have players that you are kind of excited to to wear on your back, you know, even if you're gonna, very often, if it, you know, in Canada, if you're gonna get a jersey, you're gonna get a player on the back, which sure, which doesn't. Well, the jersey foul is getting your own last name. Sure, and, and a well, there's there's a lot of jersey fouls possible, but to me, that's something I would really like to see. Um, carry over and I'm nitpicking here but I noticed that in the playoffs it wasn't just the atmosphere which was you know in three and four was great I thought six was a tense game first few periods I, I thought you know this was a, a not a quiet crowd but you could tell a crowd that was kind of sitting on their hands due to nervousness so that's something I would like to see carry right. over into next season yeah no I, I totally agree with you I mean there were just a lot of moments, and it's it's not even just this year. There were a lot of, like, whoa moments in yeah. the last two years. Like, getting Babcock, I was on a plane coming back from Worlds when it happened. And so in that eight-hour window, flying back from uh, Frankfurt to Toronto on my connection, I just turn on my phone, and I just see it just exploding. I'm like, oh, my God, they did it. Yeah. Like, to, to me, that was my initial reaction. Because and you it, look at what's it, happening in Buffalo now. It's, right. It's really... But, but all these things, it was just kind of like there's that, that you're like, okay, nobody expected him to get get in. I mean, it was like 50-50, but no one was sure. It, all, the, you know, all the signs where it looked like he was going to stay in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then, and then um, the Lamarillo one was kind of like, well, that's interesting. And then there were a lot of different kind of whoa moments, like OMGs, yeah. you know, that you were just kind of like – Okay, well, this is this is a little different, and it's well, unconventional, but maybe they've got something here. And especially under Lou now, it's become very difficult. There's a lot of oh wow, OMG moments. Very difficult to predict. He's, right. the, he's the type of GM who keeps such a tight lid on everything. But let's look a bit to the future. Not only what needs to be done, um, but what can you see happening to this team uh, over the summer? 
I do think that they're going to get a defenseman that that's going to surprise people. Is this like a f- through free agency or trade? Through probably through trade, and the reason I say that, and I think you saw Lamorello kind of measured in his comments about kind not be- of. <laughs> like not not but like but not but about expansion explicitly okay. because of how much that can throw yep. people into a bit of a loop. And what's going to happen is, I think you're going to see teams that run into some sort of trouble up against the threshold. And the Leafs have two advantages on their side. They have the guy who knows the CBA better than anybody else yep. in the entire league because he wrote the damn thing yep. in Brandon Pridham. And two, they also have the resources where they're, they're, they're happy to pay the money as long as it gives them the cap flexibility. And not a lot of teams have that. Like Columbus, for example, is a budget team. They yep. can't just throw money at problems to go away as long as it frees up the cap room, which is why you saw that Clarkson-Horton uh, trade to begin with, because they needed they needed to get that contract insured, and Clarkson's was, and uh, Clarkson's wasn't, and, yep. and Horton's, Horton's was. was. Yep. Or, or, or the, sorry, the other way around. But anyway, so, so all of those things combined, you've got to be able to take those two into account, making you think that Toronto's in a pretty good spot, unless somehow... In 2020, if the CBA gets opened up and they they cut off all those loopholes, that will be really the only way they lose their advantage to get a lot better from a roster yep. standpoint going forward. But I mean, there's still there's still time. Now, I, I mean, obviously, anybody that follows this team knows that they have to improve uh, the blue line. Um, interesting comments from Lou today as well. He really wanted to stress how important some of the veteran players have been. Um, JBR and Bozak, and these are two players that have been a constant topic of, of trade discussions all season. Um, I look at a player, I mean, we know they have to improve their blue line. A player that I think would really, really help for a number of reasons is Chris Tanev um, with the Vancouver Canucks. You have the local connection, which it seems like management enjoys, and, and you, you have... You still have flexibility at the draft, right? And you have players like like a JVR, um, who is still fairly young, and who could slot into Vancouver pretty well. And, and there, I think they're going to be looking for four picks. So he's a player that because a lot of guys are saying, oh, sorry, a lot of people are saying, okay, what about Shattenkirk? Or why don't you go really big and, and target Drew Doughty because it looks like the Kings might be trying something different. Yeah, so I don't even think that that's a wise move for them, I, just given what it's going to cost. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. So why not target a guy that's not necessarily underrated because if you talk to a lot of hockey people, they're very, very high on him. So, but why not go with a player like that that isn't – that at first a lot of Leafs fans, you know, Joe Q Leafs fan might say, who? You know, like right. it's, this isn't the name that we think we are – we deserve now, right? So that's that's a guy that I've been thinking about that could fit in really really well with the team. But again, like we said with Lou, you never know what you're going to get. I think what they're going to look based on the comments today. I think there are a couple things they're going to look at. If they can't maneuver trades to bolster positions, they're going to look at bolstering their depth. Mm. So not necessarily he getting say that. not yeah. not necessarily getting the dynamite player, but you know they need better than Marinson better than whatever Carrick as their 5-6. They need, they need more guys. They need those level of guys to 
to not even be their 7-8. They need people who are good enough to slot into a top four but are okay with sitting a little bit and rotating into the mix all eight guys that that Mike Babcock can trust to throw yeah, in at any given situation. And, and you know, there's also the Marlies to look at. Like yeah, he, did, tra- he said that. He's know? like, we're going to look from within. Yeah, you know, and tra- out there. Travis Dermott could be a very good chance. There's a good chance he could make the jump next year. Yeah. Based on everything we see. So, What'd you make of Babcock's comments? He's, he said he's going to go to the, the Worlds because yeah. there's a number of players that, that they've identified. Uh, that's, I, that's not unusual. No, he, yeah. but I just wonder who, you know, now that all that does is you know, allow you to kind of spitball. And There's a Swedish defenseman, Callie Rosen, that apparently they're looking at. Yep. Um, that that, that um, I believe is taking part in that. They'll probably look at him. Um, apparently he's got it down to two teams, either Toronto or Chicago. So, so there's a, there's a potential there. And look, I mean, what they what they got in Nikita Zaitsev, I'm pretty sure the Leafs are going to try and exploit that and you know try and hit the lottery again with sure. another defenseman that can be part of their core. And here's the other thing about why the Zaitsev thing works out so well. So this contract extension is not done yet nope. at the time of the recording of this podcast. Okay. So, but a lot of what's not being talked about in it, and it's worth a bigger, longer piece of conversation, is that the way the CBA is constructed right now. It is advantageous to pick up European players mm-hmm. for the Maple Leafs instead of North American players that can play anywhere for the sole fact that if it doesn't work out, you can still pay the guy but relieve yourself of the cap space by loaning him out to his home city because they'll welcome that. If they're not going to be part of the, the NHL anymore, yeah. you know their next best chance is to go home. Anyone in Canada or the U.S., that's not an option for them because... They, they're not going to accept being loaned out to a foreign country to get the money. Where in Europe, at least, you know, okay, well, if it doesn't work out for Zaitsev in year five and six and he's becoming a cap problem, we'll just broker a deal for him to get sent back home to Russia, which he'll embrace because he'll be back home and it will relieve us of the, of the cap room, even though we still have to pay him. But with North American players, there's just, there is no optimal outside of the NHL. There's no going home to Europe anywhere. Yeah. And that's the way the CBA is constructed, which yeah. is in the Leafs' mind to try and build the depth that way because they know if it doesn't work out, well, even if we had him in a long-term contract and he has a sophomore slump, away you go, we can send him back. That's yeah. the way it works. And it, well, that makes sense. And, and like you said, you've got guys in, in management that are so savvy with, with the CBA and with the cap. Uh, they're going to do everything they can, not necessarily like you said to exploit it, but to, to use it to their advantage. Um, is there anybody? Who do you think the Leafs are going to keep an eye on in the playoffs? Like who who else are, are are the Leafs looking at? I mean, Babcock's going to go to the Worlds, right? You know they're going to have, you know, probably a few guys there, but but who are they looking at in terms of? Or who do you think they're looking at in terms of maybe players or? You know, because it's got to be depth, depth first at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know if I mean they'll have pro scouts at games and they'll watch some tape, but I don't think they're going to eye anyone specifically that's still in the playoffs right now until they feel they've settled it out where the the possibility of a team willing to unload someone comes around. I really think that the Leafs are fine with their defense core the way it is and picking up whoever's in free agency to kind of fill the depth that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my my opinion of it. I can see them perhaps maybe dangling a piece like James Van Riemsdyk, who still has a 
pretty favorable contract. He does. Tyler Bozak, I don't know. Um, that that's an interesting one. We always every year it keeps keeps looking like that's going to be the year they part ways with him, and he's still around, and it's still useful. They need the faceoffs from him, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, there's Brian Boyle, who I don't think is coming back next year. Just yeah, so that was my next question. Yeah. Who's out? I think Brian Boyle's out. Not not because the Leafs wouldn't want him back, but because I think it's not optimal for him to be here. I didn't I didn't get in on his. I didn't his either. I didn't. So I'm going not based on any of okay. his comments, but. My, my feeling is I think there were opportunities in the past where he could have come here, and those same reasons he probably didn't choose to come here is why he probably wouldn't I keep wouldn't hearing that he is he really enjoyed Tampa, and he just enjoyed Florida. His, his wife's from Orlando. Yeah. Um, no, but he's American too, and I mean, when you come to Canada and you, you, you deal with a different level of your day-to-day, yep. um, you deal with a different level of tax breaks, like all yeah. different kinds oh, yeah. of stuff that, as Americans, are is an adjustment. But uh, it's it's not any it's not anything new, uh, but it's one of those things where he can pick his own fate. And I yep. think, unless Toronto wants to break the bank for him, which I don't think they will, no. um, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, every, I think he served the purpose that he was brought in here to do. Every player, uh, you know, that that's asked this uh, in in year end of avails is going to say either haven't thought about it yet or right. would love to come back right. and I got a lot of would love to come back uh, vibes from from players today um, anybody else you could see not sticking around because again if we look at the last two years there's always there's so much transition in the rosters and I, we have to expect that there will be more of that it's a tough question I, I again I, um, I, I and not not because I know anything my gut says Trigger will be pulled on JVR because right. he he is the one that has value and, and a lot of people I'm assuming a, a lot of our listeners just from what I gauge on Twitter you know not happy with Polak and, and Hunwick and the style that, that they bring to to the ice and we'll debate that another day but um, if you look at players with value and with trade value to me the JVR is the biggest bargaining chip and you have so much talent on the wing already and you you know well that so so to counter that just a little bit they do have talent on the wing but they don't have a lot of talent on the left wing and that's the only other thing like Lupo would have been one of those guys he's not been around you know you've got Zach Hyman who's already kind of put into that role but outside of those two um it's it's well and Komarov like you've got uh, Komarov as well in a Mm -hmm. shutdown role but you don't have it, it almost seems like you don't have talented left wingers out, like in terms of guys who can score regularly. Right. They're all playing the muckraker spot, right? right? Create the space to to kind of uh, open up the spots, and and that's that's kind of where where um, everything kind of settles in. So I've, so, but I, I mean, I agree with you that I think that he's probably the the chip if they can improve, and maybe even it helps them maneuver in something else because there's going to be guys after the second year that are going to be in line for massive raises and the Leafs have yeah. to, to make the cap space for them too. That's something that, that you know, I've been talking about all year and, and I, I hope it, you know, the discussion around it starts to pick up because you are going to have to pay their big three forwards. I, I just can't see them doing bridge deals. I just, I don't think it's, it's a, I don't think it's a wise move, and I th- I think they've they've proved it early on that that they're worth 
long-term investment and you're going to have to pay them a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Right. So you have some very manageable contracts right now, but I think, I've been hesitant to put out numbers, but I think you're going to see a player, especially like Austin Matthews, get an exorbitant amount um, of money. And, and uh, what did you think as well? One, one other comment that I, I want to touch on if we're talking about the rookies, Babcock was very insistent. He, he said today that the plan is now not to move Willie Nylander to center. He was very, uh, it seemed like an abrupt turn. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting one. I think he just, I think the reason why is because I think he just liked the chemistry there and he doesn't want to break up that line. Like, I can see that line holding exactly the same next year. Yeah. Like, like I don't think he's going to break that line apart. Yeah, I, I just um, given... Which given is rare to see. Yeah, and given how dominant they were in the playoffs, their possession numbers were off sure. the charts. Yeah. So... And, well, and, and here's the other thing, too. I know uh, I, I know from talking to people about Nylander's Marley's playoffs, they were really disappointed in yeah, yeah. They were really disappointed. They really thought he would take it up, and there was concern. And there was concern all year. We saw him demoted at one point. There was a game where he was fourth-line center... Uh, because they were struggling on the wings. Like, well, you want to play center. Here's fourth-line center spot. Meanwhile, you'll still get your power play time. Wasn't optimal. They weren't happy with yeah. it. Even when he was having good games, Mike was quick to rip him in terms of uh, not necessarily giving him his props, but kind of being like, oh, well, if he wants to do whatever, he's got to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't complimenting the drive train of Nylander in the same way that you would compliment a Komarov or Zach Hyman, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so all those things combined, I think there that's kind of where they thought, okay, well, maybe it's not working out there, center. But then when they kept them after the injury to Marner, and um, after the injury to Marner, and they put Nylander back in that spot, and he kind of took over and went with it, was a turning point. They were like, okay. He really likes playing with him, and he's now paying it back to us with his defensive, the defensive play. Let's not mess with that. And I yep. think that's why. If it was, if if there was no, if there was no Matthews there, if there was no Matthews chemistry there, sure they'll give it a chance at center. But right now, it doesn't make sense to break that up. Well, we should end on that because there's we we could speculate for probably four or five more. Pods. Yeah, I could um, do a seven-hour pod. You can do a seven-hour speculation pod. Sure. Um, it has been a fantastic season uh, with the Athletic. Our first year, I, I don't know if we, outside of them winning the Cup, I don't know if we could have gotten a better year to, and I'm speaking on behalf of the, the company here, to launch the Athletic in Toronto just because there were so many exciting storylines. There were so many characters. There were so many players that, that kind of broke out, and it was a, a, a fun, I just keep saying that, it's a fun Leafs team to be around and be a part of, you know, and, and uh, I'm assuming it's, I'm hoping it will be just as fun next year, but you're moving on to, to the Marlies in the near future, I'm moving on to TFC. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else that you maybe wanted to, to share from this first season with the Athletic Oh, it was just nice to kind of go on the road again and yeah. and just uh, have the freedom to tell the stories that sometimes you don't feel like you have. So, sure. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I think every time I go around and someone asks me about The Athletic or Toronto, and this isn't just patting ourselves on the back, but they say that it's the best coverage in the city. And that's that's 
all I need to... You get to, those emails from my dad, too. <laughs> uh, that's all I need to hear from, from random yeah, people no, I would I see I to agree. say that we're doing something right. So, so that's what makes me the most excited and we, most proud of. We encourage everybody to you know, not only rate, review, subscribe the podcast, but also check out theathletic.com slash Toronto because we're going to take this summer just like you know Babcock and, and Lewis said for the Leafs. They need to get better. Uh, there's always room for for us not necessarily just you and I but you know we are going to get better and and I genuinely believe we are going to strive to provide that best coverage in the city sure uh, like you said but we do I, I would like to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in uh, please again stay tuned for Dave's Marley's coverage my TFC coverage if that's your thing and we will see you. Oh, and Leafs coverage won't end. Sorry, I just one more thing. Leafs oh. coverage won't end. It's a twenty four seven thing. There will always be news and stuff, and we'll we'll make sure we have all of that for you. Yeah, I guess that's. Uh, I mean, if if uh, you know, we always say like if something happens, the news wheel goes twenty four seven. If a leaf does something, right? It's news. Uh, I'm assuming you know we'll be back at the draft, uh, but let's take a few weeks off. Let this season breathe. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon. Star Hawk, yeah.